Dion Blumenrader with Big Hoss One Sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Rempe. Start the game! Let's go! Do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originating from Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, the live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to get in touch with me this evening, or if you don't know how to follow the show and you want that info, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Now, for the last 14 years, I've told you on and off, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, all you have to do is go to the website, look for the subscribe portion on the navigation top of the website, and then sign up for there. However, am I able to really tell you that you can do that at this point? Not really. Why? Because while the new website is out, we are, we, me, me are still having issues with the folks that I contracted being held captive, hostage. We're still working through some things on the interface and the navigation and all of that. They're not overly responsive, and by overly responsive, I mean hardly at all. On the new website that is up, I am also going into the back end of WordPress and revamping some of the stuff because I don't want to wait. Can hardly get access to the cPanel. Nobody's answering questions. Again, I feel like I haven't fully been effed, but partially effed. I know you can't be semi-pregnant or maybe you either are or you aren't, but I think I've been semi-effed. On this one, but as my friend Sean Walchef says from Digital Hospitality and Restaurant Influencers Podcast, you get what you pay for, right? So I didn't pay thousands and thousands of dollars because I was never going to make a website that I thought would require thousands and thousands of dollars of investment. I'm a podcast slash live internet show. I need literally one page 
and then some links to be able to click on and then go to a Facebook page or a social media channel or subscribe to the podcast, show my show sponsors. Do I have that? Yeah. Is it great? It's not great. I'm giving them a little time before I start the weekly don't do business with X company to do your website because they're Googleable. That's how I found them. So I will give them a little bit more time before we bring the heavy artillery to the show on a weekly basis. And then as they say, beatings will commence until morale improves or beatings will continue until morale improves. First they will start, then they will continue. So here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. Coming up in about 11 minutes from now, the creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed, and his monthly segment, of course. We'll talk a little bit about his most recent trip to Jamaica. I might try to pull a jerk chicken recipe out of him because I've had a few folks email me over the course of the day saying, hey, we know Malcolm got to Jamaica and I'm looking for a jerk chicken recipe, so... Malcolm, always good for a recipe, amongst other things. And then, after Malcolm, it's been a while since we've talked cigars, so I will light up the Barbecue Central Show's official cigar expert, Mr. Jonathan, from the Cigar Authorities podcast and live show. Aside from seeing what's smoking well, going through a little Cigar of the Year from Cigar Authority, I figured we would start making his next few segments, uh, appearances on this show, more of a cigar school. So for those of you that are just getting into it or you're thinking about getting into it, or maybe you're a full-blown passionado like I am and you don't mind hearing about the inner workings, we'll talk about cigars specifically, and that would be the inner workings, things that make up a cigar. And tonight we will be talking about the wrapper, which a lot of people think is the most important part. So we'll talk to Mr. Jonathan about the wrapper as we close it out. Then we'll move to the second hour where we will find none other than a YouTube sensation across the nation and the globe. My pal, not yours, Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam missed last month, so we'll see what he was up to as he was trying to get pictures pressed through on his most recent book and how that process has been going. He's also released a rub into the market, the BFF, which I believe is an SPG, in case you didn't know. So now you have your FYI. A lot of acronyms here in the last 35 seconds. So Sam, the cooking guy in his normal segment, then we will close out the show with the owner, creator of Combustion Inc., Chris Young, who I think might be the smartest guy in live fire right now. Academically smart. Smart, yes, just as a whip, but also academically smart, a creator, an inventor, and that predictive thermometer is doing really well. So we'll talk to him about all of that, and that will close the show this evening. So you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the Snapper Snaps. We say good evening to those of you watching through the video streaming platforms of Facebook and Twitch, which can be found at slash BBQ Central Show. Also, for those of you watching on YouTube slash R.D. Rempe, we welcome you this evening. And yes, there is audio on Clubhouse if you prefer to hear us and not see us. And we have a poll question this week. How much would you spend on a flat top cooker? 300 to 5? Okay, hold on a second. I changed this question five different times. 300 to 499. 500 to 699 
700 to 1,000, or there is no budget when it comes to barbecue, dude. Currently, 100% of you are saying 300 to 499. It's putting some other uh, other cookers' success in jeopardy as we take the straw poll here at the Barbecue Central Show, so we'll keep tabs on that. We will ask guests, as I remember, through the course of the evening as well. And we'll update it, of course, at the top of the second hour and as we close out the show. Again, if I remember. Now, keeping with that YouTube question of the week, whether you like it or not, flat top cookers are making a run at the rest of the market right now. Two weeks ago today, Weber released their unit. And the very next day, it was Traeger trotting out their flat rock. You might recall we had Mike Lang from Another Pint Please who was connected in with the Weber folks talking about his experience with the Weber flat top product. And then, of course, Wednesday, the day after that, there was no shortage of social media videos being pulled out with the unboxings of the flat rock as Traeger has that squirreled away to release on a certain day and keep it private and all this Look, all this adds to what is now a growing number of options in this particular segment. And I believe, in fact, I know it. There are others yet to come here in 2023. So my question to all of you listening live tonight, and you're answering at this, but of course, to the podcasters as you listen in convenience, are there, it's not, are there too many options? However, it's what are you willing to pay for a flat top unit because now we are in a day and age where there is a substantial range in price, much like we see in pellet cookers over the past few years. I think there might've been a pit boss unit that just came out earlier this year. That was 350 bucks for a pellet cooker. And you can scale all the way up to a Mac two star general pellet cooker, which runs about 3,500 bucks held the Traeger, uh, Traeger Timberline from the end of last year retails at $4,000. So as we begin to scale up in the flat top options, when is too much for you, the consumer? Blackstone, as we had mentioned last week, has roughly 80% of the market right now, but it will be interesting to see which one of these other units or OEMs are able to claw back some of that market share here over the next year or so as more and more flat tops are being brought into the backyards across America. So please... Let me know where you are on this topic, especially if you're a podcaster since you can't take part in the live poll that is going on right now, where 89% of you now are saying 300 to 499, and 11% of you are saying there is no budget for barbecue, which I believe our pal Doug Shiding from Rogue Cookers mentioned that when he was on last week. There's no budget in barbecue. We'll see about that as the poll progresses through the evening. Malcolm Reed is ready to go. Before we do that, I will talk to you about Pits and Spits, the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills. Pits and Spits offering a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Could they be bringing a freestanding flat top? Ryan Zabrell is set to come on this show in a matter of weeks, so we'll ask him. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. 
So why is that important? They're able to put an emphasis on quality and design. They have locally sourced materials and unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that will get passed down for generations to come. Whether you're into competition barbecue or you're just into backyard barbecue and grilling, you can amp up the level of your game by heading over to Pits and Spits and looking for a product that will outfit you the best. Check them out, pitsandspits.com, all spelled out. That's pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And use that promo code BBQ Central for a free spice pack with your order of $500 or more. So you know if you buy a pit, you're going to get that free spice pack right off the bat. Again, the promo code at checkout is BBQ Central. And the special link, pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And as I had mentioned, Pits and Spits owner Ryan Jabril set to rejoin the show here in a matter of weeks, so we look forward to chatting with him. But before we chat with Ryan, we'll talk with Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookinpellets.com for more information or to purchase that C-O-O-K-I-N, cookinpellets.com. And you can also peruse and see what other great products they have to add a little smoky goodness to whatever it is that you might be up to. My next guest tonight, the creator of How to Barbecue Right and the pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team, you see him here on the show once a month, right here in this spot on the first Tuesday. It's Malcolm Reed. Hey, Malcolm. What's up, Greg? How's it going? YouTube poll of the week. How much would you spend on a flat top cooker? Three hundred to four ninety nine, five hundred to six ninety nine, or seven hundred to a thousand? Or there is no budget when it comes to barbecue. I'm in the 300 to 499 group there. 91 percent of people voting oh, okay. currently are in that majority of thinking. Nine percent are making up. There is no budget when it comes to barbecue. We're going to hit on this towards the tail end of my agenda here, but why not talk about it since we've just mentioned it? Flat top cooking is not new to us here in the live fire community. Maybe to the everyday ham and egger out there that might have a gas grill. Maybe also have a charcoal grill. They're getting introduced to pellet cookers now. And now you're seeing quite a emergence of freestanding flat top cookers. You've seen accessories to sit on top of gas grills or charcoal grills, but now they're their own unit made popular by Blackstone, of course, who I think at last count had towards 80% of the market share. Is there is this a fad or do you think this will be a 
ongoing and accepted vessel to cook on, and it will be something that people add in addition to other cookers? I, I think people are adding them to their cooking arsenal, man. I think they're going to stick around. It's too easy at that price point to have one on your back porch along with your grill, and they're fun to cook on. When you see flat tops that are approaching $1,000, no names please, do you think that it's a cash grab of sorts, or do you think that there will be an accepted strata of cookers like we see in some of the other uh, fired cooking vessels? I think, you know, in the grilling industry, there's always different levels of grills that are out there. I mean, you look at the propane grills, there's the the big box models that you can go get in that 300 to 500 range. And then you've got some of these fancy built-ins that are in the thousands of dollars. So I think there's a place in the in between where you're going to see different grades of them come in. I mean, I, it's just to be expected with, I think what a, a lot of them did was wait and see how it caught on. And then they realized they were behind, so they had to catch up. So that's why you're seeing some of these come on later. You're somebody who has mentioned freely on the How to Barbecue Right podcast, which comes out weekly, that you are a Blackstone owner. Uh, you use it. You were just talking about rolling hot dogs around on the Blackstone and having a pretty good time at that. What are the shortcomings that you find when using it? What sticks out to you, if anything? The the only thing I could that I could say, you know, would be a shortcoming would be you got to keep the thing clean. So you can't just, you know, when you get through cooking, you can't just walk off and leave it. So you can't, you don't want to leave it uncovered. You want to get all the grease off, get it slicked back over, take care of the cooking service or the thing's going to rust on you. So, and you know, we keep them outdoors. So they're in the elements pretty much, unless you got some kind of indoor cooking and, you know, kitchen or something outside. But to me, that's the only thing that I see that's a challenge with them. Is taking that time and taking care of that cooking surface. Have you ever had an issue with the unit blowing out? Uh, I haven't on my Blackstone. You ever heard that from anybody else? No, no, I haven't. Um, I mean, just like any gas grill, I mean, you know, those elements don't last forever. So it's to be expected, especially at that price point. I mean, that's what I think. Like if you if you stepped up and you buy bought a more expensive flat top, I would expect more better quality out of it. Mm. So maybe you get some longevity, but I think, you know, with them blowing out, it's probably wear and tear. I mean, you got to look wasp, dirt daubers, all kinds of stuff like that gets in the, it gets in those grill elements. They stop it up. They clog it up. People probably aren't maintenance. I'm taking good care of them. So that's, what's going to cause them to fail. Well, what I mean by blowing out and I had never heard this. I mean, as I had stated a couple minutes ago, this isn't a new way of cooking to us while it seems to be getting a lot of traction right now. I'm hearing that, you'll be cooking on it and then like the wind can sneak underneath it and literally blow the flame out. Have you ever had that happen to you? I haven't had it on a Blackstone. I haven't, yeah. I've had it happen on like a crawfish cooker or, you know, a, a burner with an eye and, and a lot of them make wind guards. Um, I try to, I, I do it with all my grills, try to position it to where it's not in the wind. I don't care if it's a pellet grill, a gas grill, charcoal grill, whatever it affects the draw on grills and it can blow it. I can see that, you know, do you think Blackstone has become big enough in the market where they are now the Kleenex of this segment? Do you think people might just offhandedly say, I got a Blackstone, but me really they have a Next Grill or a Blue Rhino or one of the other many brands that are out there? Oh, definitely. I think it's kind of like Googling something. You know, it's the term people use when they talk about flat tops. I mean, how many times do you say people say we're going to cook out, cook on the flat top? I hear Blackstone. You yep. know, we're going to fire up the Blackstone. 
griddle, maybe, you know, because I think it goes back to that Waffle House or, you know, diner type cooking where they're, they're doing it all on a flat top. But mainly I hear uh, Blackstone or griddle or something like that. How did you do those hot dogs on the Blackstone when you were doing them the other day? <laughs> I opened a couple beers. I sat there with a stool in front of them and just kept it one burner on low. And I had a big, long spatula, and I just rolled them with that spatula about every minute, <laughs> simulating like a hot dog roller you would see at a convenience store or ballpark. Malcolm Reed, that's human hot dog roller. That's it, that's it. The manual hot dog roller. You ever give any and thought? i tell you what, they were fantastic. Well, I mean, I'm not one that makes a point out of buying hot dogs off of the rollers. However... If you get into the store at the right time, I mean, you can tell when one's been on there for a week or when one is at perfection, and it's few and far between, but when it's at perfection, there are a few hot dogs that are cooked better than on the hot rollers for, for whatever reason. They make them for homes, too. I should get you one for Christmas. Um, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about just cutting them in half on the flat top and then like putting a little weight on them and browning them up that way and then maybe a little American cheese in the cut as you put it in the bun? See, that's the only way I'd ever had them on uh, a flat surface uh, like that. We yeah. called them hot dog sandwiches. We would split the little cheap red wieners and make, you know, you get two of those, a butterfly them out, put the cheese on top, toast the bread, and you got a hot dog sandwich. Delicious. Uh, we used to cook them that way when I worked the halfway house at a golf club up here, and they were, they were huge, maybe one pound hot dogs uh, because, you know, members are overpaying to – be at this hoity-toity golf club anyway, so you got to overcharge the members every chance you get. And they were always cut in half, always done, always cheese on it. I mean, they were absolutely delicious. You eat four or five during a shift, and of course you want to throw up after the fact, but every one was better than the next while you were eating them. Let's transition if possible. Malcolm Reed and family are once again, or at least Rochelle, off to Jamaica. Food inspirations that you brought back this time, if any. You know... I tried a few things this time that was different. We went to the Bahamas this year. We didn't go to Jamaica. All right. So we went to a different island and we got out and we explored the island some. And in Nassau, where the island we were on, they have this area called Fish Fry. And it's, if you think of kind of like if you've seen stands, like food stands in foreign countries, it's like one area where there's a ton of them. That's what this was. <laughs> and they all do different stuff, but most of them have. You know, fried fish of some sort come out of the ocean. They have the jerk chicken. They have all your all your normal stuff you'd see. Well, I tried a fried snapper. It was like a whole fish, and it was amazing. Wow. I mean, I don't know if I could duplicate it that good. It was it was it was excellent. Um, a big one that I that I that was different for me was their version of mac and cheese. They serve it with everything in the Bahamas. It's like a side dish that comes with every dish you order, but it's more like a square casserole macaroni and cheese. It's not. Mm the typical mac and cheese that we would say. So that was pretty unique. Um, Casserole the other like takeaway baked? is the best. Yes, it's yeah. definitely baked cheese all over the top, but it's creamy yet. It's firm. Mm. You know, you can cut it with a fork. It's standalone. It'd be perfect mac and cheese for deep frying. Oh, yes, you've sir. ever heard of that. Yes, sir. Yeah. It would be the perfect vessel, but um, probably the best thing I had was conch salad. And I don't know if I could duplicate that. It's, it's just super fresh. It's almost like a ceviche. Uh, conks, you know, the shellfish, they pull it out. It's got a big muscle. They chop it up real fine and mix it with a bunch of fresh ingredients. And it is excellent. You're a pretty adventurous eater. Um, 
I would say so. Now I'm not going to eat mayonnaise straight off a spoon, but I'll try. I'll try a lot of stuff. Is that what makes you adventurous? Because then I'm pretty friggin' adventurous. I think I've done that quite a bit. Um, no. I need to ask you about jerk chicken recipes. Now again, uh, we're holding Jamaica to the side because you're in the Bahamas, but uh, I guess a lot of people thought that that's where you were. And they were looking to get a Malcolm Reed-inspired jerk chicken recipe that they might be able to try this weekend. Yeah, man. You know, for me, when I go to the Caribbean, that's what I look for. I love jerk chicken. It, it reminds me of barbecue chicken back home just on a spicier, more flavorful level. Now, most of the places there use uh, pimento wood to cook down and to cook the chicken. So we don't really have that here in the States, or at least I've never sourced it. So I use, usually use hickory wood or something like that. But the, to me, the jerk is all in the marinade. Um, you know, jerk chicken, it's spicy. It's citrusy. It has some soy sauce in it. And it has, you know, just these island flavors, a lot of fresh ingredients, onion, um, you know, um, a little bit of olive oil to balance it out. But you think of it as like a spicy kind of savory marinade, citrusy marinade. And the chicken goes in that marinade often for overnight, at least four to six hours. Um, typically they cut the pieces of chicken up, um, you know, individual pieces. I have seen it done halves, but never really whole. Um, and they, they started out over hot coals, but most of the time they cook it on like a barrel smoker, not an offset smoker, just coals in the bottom of one side of a barrel. And they'll start the chicken out skin down to get kind of a crispness going on with it, with all those seasonings. And you don't, they usually don't season it with anything else. It's just the marinade cook it skin down, cut some slits in it so the marinade gets down in there, char it a little bit, move it over to the side, and it's a it's a slow process. You know, they're not <laughs> fast-cooking jerk chicken. And that's so that's pretty much all there is to it. It's really easy. Um, I know I've got a marinade recipe on my website, but you could probably just Google jerk chicken marinade, and it would come up with the ingredients that you need to blend it up and make it. But just plan on soaking whole chicken or wings or your favorite parts, having your twos on fire, Starting it out over the hot side, moving it to the cool side, cooking it until it's done, serve it with some peas and rice. That's all there is to it. When you're traveling, are you ever approached by the properties? Uh, maybe they know who you are and say, hey, we'd love to have you back because you're just on rest and relaxation mode there. But we'd love to have you back to do 50% of a cooking class or a Malcolm Reed appearance to do a collab with our chef or something along these lines. And then the other half of the week, you guys can just chill out on the beaches. And you ever been approached about doing something like that? Never been approached uh, about that. Uh, now I have had several of the chefs come up and talk to me and kind of recognize employees, watch videos, even down in, in Jamaica course, and in the Bahamas. Yeah. It was crazy. I had a lot of people coming up just saying, Hey man, we've seen you on videos. Are you the TikTok guy? I get the TikTok guy now, not the YouTube oh, guy. Really? So that, so, but yeah, I mean, it was this time, I mean, it was more employees probably than people that were at the actual resort we stayed at. So I was, I was kind of shocked by that. I follow a couple folks on Instagram and they appear to be in the live fire industry quite a bit. And they seem to do quite a bit of traveling around and cooking for some pretty big names, um, for folks that are across industries, uh, celebrity actors, uh, pro football players, any things like this. Do you ever get contacted being home and in, in HQ to do private cooks for famous people of various industries and stuff like that? Not at home. Uh, we've been asked to go to do some events and stuff. I've done some NHRA, NHRA drivers. I've done a few football players just going out and doing some stuff like that. Um, actually, 
took a grill to John Morant. I don't know if you know who he is, but <laughs> do I know who Memphis he is? Grizzlies. <laughs> For, former point guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> hey, I don't know about former. He's taking a little pause. Yikers. Yeah, that's pretty uh that's unfortunate, but we're not a sports show. Um is that something you yeah. you would do more of or not is that really not your thing? Uh, you know, if I have time, that's kind of my thing. Schedule is mm-hmm. usually tight, but if I have time, that's what I tell people, man. If you're willing to get on the schedule and let's work something out, I'm happy to do some stuff like that. I enjoy it. I enjoy cooking for people and, you know, meeting meeting folks and going out and doing things. I, I love that travel idea. That's something me and Rochelle have talked about. You know, we get ready to retire. Let's just go half the time cook at a resort and half the time relax on the beach. <laughs> Could be a lot worse. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. How to BBQ Right, of course, is the website. And if you're not subscribed to him over on YouTube, make sure you do that. And on TikTok, because he's Malcolm Reed, the TikTok guy now, although 1.51 million of you are subscribed on YouTube. So we're a couple months away at this point from one of the biggest competitions during the course of a competition year, which, of course, is Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm in May or... Memphis in May. <laughs> Have you gotten confirmation that Killer Hogs is in for 2023? We did last Friday. All we were right. the lucky ones that got in. So yeah. we are pumped. We are ready to we're ready to go, man. I was ner- I'm like actually nervous. You know, I didn't know if we were gonna make the cut or not. They I think it was forty teams that didn't make it. So four you know, zero for those people. Yeah. Oh. Any names that you can mention? Um, or that are notable. There's, I haven't really heard any, except for a buddy of mine that cooks uh, with Tennessee Mojo. I mean, that was that, that was kind of. I just saw he posted it on Facebook that he didn't make it, and I, I didn't know that. So that kind of sucks for them, man. I hate that because I mean, he was he won rib category with two two contests ago. So that shows you how tight they were cutting. Did they let the guys from Blues Hog back in, or did they find their way to keep <laughs> them out? <laughs> I imagine they I'm sure they were automatic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, do you have any idea what the criteria was as they start to peruse applications? I I mean I would imagine if and, I get your application you're a pretty easy ringer in given your uh, your whole social media presence and success within the industry, but others would probably be chomping at the bit a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know if they looked at that or if it was like a first come first serve thing. Because we were, like, soon as they released the application, like, when they mentioned they were it was live, we went ahead and signed up and paid our money. So they've had our money since back in November. So, um, And I'm sure all the teams that probably went ahead, paid, you know, not knowing if they were going to have it, not knowing if it was going to be at Tomley Park, all that was up in the air. Yeah. So we just did it on faith and uh, got lucky. So All right. Well, it could be Malcolm and May as the – Contest right. ends up concluding here in 2023, <laughs> but we'll keep tabs on that. Wanted to ask you a quick question here as we've got a couple minutes left. I've gotten a couple emails over the past couple weeks, notably one from uh, Jason Kaplan at the Howard Stern Show, who's going through a, a backyard renaissance, if you will. So he's going to lay down some patio, and at this point I think he's at least gandering or toying with the idea of building an outdoor kitchen in some form or fashion. And I know you would talked about that a little bit in your last podcast as well. So when you're considering it, I assume number one, it's budget. So let's start there. Do you think that there's a, no matter what, it's going to be X amount if you're going to be doing some kind of an outdoor kitchen with cement and built-ins and uh, cabinetry and all this other stuff? I definitely think that's where everybody starts with. I mean, you got to have 
a budget in mind that you're willing to spend and get somebody to give you some quotes on what it's going to cost. I mean, that's what we're going through. We kind of set out with the budget that we were comfortable with and, and it's always going to go over. Have you ever, have you ever done anything on a budget and it didn't go over? (laughs) (laughs) So, but at least it's a start. Would you say that if you're not into $10,000 of doing something like this, then it's something you might want to reconsider or take another year and save your thin guilders. Man, I guess, you know, I think a lot of it depends on how much you're willing to do yourself. If you're a handy type person and you can build, you know, the structure, or you can pour the kind, mix up the quick crete and make you a slab or whatever. Mm. But it's really going to depend on size, Greg. I mean, when you look at it, when you go to adding and having, you know, having to spend money on dirt work, on getting concrete poured, on the structure, on cabinetry, on an island or whatever, you've spent 10 grand easy. Yeah. For, you know, a 10 by 15 space. I mean, that's, you know, that's not even a very big space, really. So it's easy. I mean, I would say you're talking outdoor kitchen with their equipment and everything. You better be, you want it nice, 2025, I would wow, think would we, be just, that would be bare bones, probably. This is a subject we should be digging deeper on. Maybe I can uh, get your counsel off air and we might be able to think of a segment or two to do here in the ongoing months. But I, Certainly appreciate your insight here as we get going on that. Of course, this is Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. You can follow him on all the social media channels at the same handle. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, and we will see you again in April. Hey, Greg. First quarter's over, man. It's no doubt. By. There it is. <laughs> Malcolm Reed right there. HowToBBQRight.com. And he's right. 2023 rapidly. He wanted to say 2023 rapidly coming to a close. But he didn't want to steal my thunder, and it's Q1 rapidly coming to a close instead. At how to BBQ right on all social media. Mr. Jonathan is ready to go to school us up on what's smoking well at two guys. And we'll also jump into the deconstruction of a cigar as we go to Cigar Skewl. But first, it's Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking, very important to both professional and backyards alike. It's the best way to manage a fire, cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill and the game-changing oval design, the shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. Really, when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on a Primo cooker. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. As we talked to the owner, Nick Bauer, last week, there are some new accessories coming out. There's the griddle insert that will be fitting across all of the different sizes of Primos to so be on the lookout for that at your nearest dealer. And of course, there's the brand new Primo XXL, which is 25% bigger than the XL. So if you were looking for a little bit more space, Primo XXL is the one you want to check it out. As I had mentioned, only sold through dealers. So go to PrimoGrill.com, find a dealer near you, and then look at all the different oval shapes and pick the one that best fits you. Buy all the accessories because you know you're going to get them anyway. And then you're off and running. Watch all the YouTube videos to help you get up and running. And join their Facebook groups. Follow them on Instagram as well. Primogrill.com. 
I will be at the 2023 HPB Expo this coming weekend. I will see Nick there. They are exhibiting. I will take pictures of the brand new cooker and all the other stuff that they bring. So stay tuned for that. Bunch of bonus content. Let's talk cigars next with Mr. J from the Cigar Authorities podcast and Two Guys Smoke Shop. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Malcolm Bree for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard, where you can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or you can connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call them 816-945-2232. If I'm not mistaken, in the chat, Canadian barbecue and grilling celeb, Kinger, the man who collaborated with me to bring you booze tea. Yes, remember that? We talked about it on the run-up to one of the best moments show a couple weeks ago. So glad to see Kinger back in the mix. He's still cooking over live fire so if you follow him on twitter or if you don't you should because he's a brilliant follower selling his ceramic cooker he said in the chat by the way that's shocking hey uh, i was a little ahead of myself on the sound effects there my next guest is a well-known figure in the cigar community one of the co-hosts of the ever popular cigar authority podcast now celebrating its 13th year of live shows almost as long as this show but two years shy however he is a wealth of knowledge and he's widely regarded as one of the foremost experts when it comes to cigars through the weekly podcast he and his co-hosts are the foremost experts when it comes to the cigar area about business about manufacturing latest trends all that good stuff and he has earned the title here on the show as the official cigar expert for the barbecue central show we race to the hotline and we welcome back our pal mr jonathan Mr. J, yeah, baby. What is smoking good in the two guys smoke shop right now? Uh, the Bandolero Sagaces is smoking unbelievable. You got Garofalo Sun Grown Torpedo. In fact, anytime a manufacturer offers a torpedo, uh oh, they will. Do you not hear me? Oh, I can, but I'm going to disagree. But go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right. You made me so nervous right there. Uh, Anytime a manufacturer offers a torpedo, that's a guarantee that the roller that made that cigar has 10 years more experience than the guy rolling the Toro right next to it in the box right there. So you're going to get a more consistent draw. You're going to get a more even burn. And because torpedoes, and I can tell already that you don't like them, because (laughs) torpedoes sell slower than the rest of the line, as we're coming out of our little cigar boom, those torpedoes have degassed a little bit more, mm. and they smoke a little smoother. I just don't like the shape. You know what? Oh, so tell me where I'm wrong on this. I'm immediately throwing the outline to the wind, which is what we usually do here on That's the show right. anyway. I got a box of El Baton 
from J.C. Newman. Shout out, J.C. Newman. Started Cleveland, by the way, great. right here. Um, yep. They sent me bellicoso, so I think that's a fancy term for torpedo. It's got the nipple on the one end that I want to put in my mouth. Now, nipple in my mouth in any other circumstance, no problem with that. But in this case, for cigars, I'm not a huge fan. So here's what I've done to try and fix my mind issue that I have with this. Uh, straight cutter, cut once, cut twice, then deep V cut, boom, on top of that. So it really gets me closer to a Robusto than a Bellicosa a torpedo. Am I ruining it for you? No, no, no. You're not ruining it. You're just wasting an awful lot of time on the cutting. You, you just snip it just like you would a uh, Robusto or a Toro. Uh, if you want, if you, especially if you have a thicker ring gauge cigar, let's say you have a 60 ring gauge torpedo, you can cut that at a 50 ring gauge and have a 50 ring gauge in your mouth and then get the complexity of the additional filler tobaccos in that 60 ring gauge. Mm. And so people that are wondering, what is a ring gauge? A ring gauge is one 64th of one inch. So a 64 ring gauge is exactly one inch across in diameter. Now I do the cutting twice with the straight cutter because I have a Nick Perdomo uh, straight. It's got the backstop on it. So I can only go so deep because I don't trust myself and not cut off the whole freaking cap. And now we've got an unraveling mess. So I do cut it twice because I can only go so deep with the backstop. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have a, do you have a deep V cutter? Well, yeah, because then after the two straight cuts with the Perdomo, I go deep V on top of it. But that so one is a good one. Cut out, yeah, you could cut out the Perdomo. If you got it like a Calibri DV or I do. Uh, Zycar used to make a really decent one, uh, you could just V-cut it and be done. Hmm. One cut and you're done. All right. Well, maybe I'll try that tomorrow as I smoke another El Baton just to make sure that I'm loving each and every one of them, which I happen to be, which is nice since it was free. And- Those are smoking great right now. That's on, That was on my list to say. And also um, the West Tampa... Mm. Uh, Rick Rodriguez, he used to be a higher up in CAO. They sold, he went off and did some other shit and then came back into the industry. And this guy studied under some of the who's who when it comes to blending. Mm. He's in a small little factory in Nicaragua and he is the rising tide that's raising not only all the ships in the cigar industry, all the boutique guys are Mm. all like, how is this guy coming out with blends that are this good? this early on in his career in yeah. quotes, but he's also has elevated that factory's production and is teaching them a thing or two, which is pretty <laughs> interesting. Now, are you a fan of the black or the white or the attic series or regardless, it's everything is great. Wow. You did your homework. Uh, I am a huge fan of the black and the attic series is absolutely box worthy. If you find oh. a retailer that has the attic series, it's a 12 or a four. I think it's a 14 count box. <laughs> uh, well worth it. It's whatever. It's like 130 bucks. Absolutely worth it. And those cigars will stand the test of time when it comes to aging. If you're not close to a brick and mortar that carries it, go to the number two guyscigars.com and grab them while you can because they are in stock at last check over there. Mr. J, last year there was concern that there was going to be sizable price increases across the board. And I'm wondering, as we are now into Q1, uh, at the end of Q1 here in 2023, if we will see price increases yet again. Without question. Yeah, the, mm. the increases are coming by way of 
shipping costs and a lot of the shipping costs have to do with boxes uh, there's still a lot of them are still being made in china and you've got to fill an entire container and bring them over and even people like nick pernomo that make their own boxes and stamps his own hinges he still has to get those raw materials shipped to him and those shipping costs uh, along with shipping the cigars from countries like nicaragua honduras dominican republic where you used to be able to take up the additional space in a commuter flight those commuter flights have reduced dramatically and a lot of people have opted for slow boating and then you get stuck in the marina waiting to get those cigars off the the boat and onto the mainland so all, all that all that costs money the votes are in mr j in the 2022 cigar authority cigar of the year is the montosa maduro in toro size now, i've actually had a number of these big fan both toro and robusto uh, both smoke really good for me and i was surprised maybe shocked that the winner of this honor is a sub seven dollar cigar were you surprised uh Yes and no. I know a little bit more about the behind the scenes stuff and there were only a handful of cigars in there that were going to be able to handle the opening order and Montosa was able to handle that opening order. The the one thing I got wrong, I think that we got wrong is the size. Although the Toro is great mm -hmm. and the entire lineup was all Toros because that those were what were available from all those seven manufacturers. The short Robusto is a little thicker. And because that company is new to producing cigars in the United States, they don't know all the dirty tricks that people who make cigars for the U.S. or New World cigars uh, do, which is a lot of times put some bullshit filler in to make the ring gauge thicker. In their case, they're using whatever the flavorful tobacco is that makes the Toro and the Robusto taste so good, and they're just using more of it in the short Robusto. It's the best one in the line without question. Can we go to cigar school? Let's do it. All right. Classes in session, folks. The professor of cigar schooling is Mr. Jonathan here from the Cigar Authorities podcast. So I figured maybe over the next couple segments, we would break down what actually makes up a cigar. And tonight we will talk about the wrapper. So, before we dive into that portion, just from a high level, can you break down the components of how a cigar is made up? So a cigar has essentially three levels of components. You have the outside wrapper, you have the binder, and you have the filler tobaccos. And as you are building a cigar from the ground up, where those filler tobaccos come from are going to impart different flavors, and where on the plant those come from are going to impart different levels of strength and aroma and also combustion. So low on the plant, you have the least amount of aroma, the least amount of flavor, but you have great combustion. You get into the middle part of the plant, you've got a lot of aroma happening, you've got decent combustion, very little strength, and when you get into the higher part of the plant, the higher third, you're dealing with flavor and strength, and that's mm -hmm. where the balancing act on a cigar is. So for some people, they will smoke a cigar that's a little stronger than what they're comfortable with because they love the flavor. And the reason they love the flavor is there are some higher primings in that cigar. So often to get better flavor, you've got to put up with a little bit more strength. 
So we're going to work from the outside in here and talk about the wrapper. Obviously, this is what catches the eye of the consumer right off the bat. It's the most refined-looking portion, I would imagine. But tell me about why the wrapper is the wrapper and what types are being used by cigar makers today. So the outside wrapper of a cigar is, one, it has to be aesthetically pleasing. So it needs to be fairly blemish-free or in, in the case of a more expensive cigar, you get above $10, you're going to be looking for flawless or better uh, as far as the wrapper goes. Uh, you got guys like Perdomo that'll take his wrappers and put them in a bourbon barrel and age them for an additional two fermentations to even out the color mm. so they look even better. Uh, so the wrapper is the thing that you choose your cigar with with your eyes. Some people say, oh, I, I only smoke Maduro or I only smoke Sun Grown. So those are the three major types of wrapper. You've got uh, Ecuadorian or actual Connecticut shade. Uh, Ecuador, they grow the tobacco just out in the open and there's natural cloud cover. So it causes the tobacco to grow much lighter in color mm. and thinner. Uh, in Connecticut, USA, very expensive tobacco and they put cheesecloth and they grow it literally under shade. <laughs> and so it causes it to grow much thinner uh, you can sometimes tell American Connecticut shade because it often still has a little bit of chlorophyll in it, and you'll see it's still a little on the claro side or double claro, they call it, which is um, the candela, the mm -hmm. green wrapper. That you'll see some greenish hue to it. Are there any unique or lesser known wrapper varieties that you believe are underappreciated in the cigar industry? There's a Brazilian Arpiaco, which is not used a lot. Uh, probably the most famous example right now is Skip Martin. Mm -hmm. If you look at any of his intemperance, if it's intemperance BA, the BA stands for Brazilian Arpiaca. It's a very sweet, almost chocolatey kind of taste, and it's very brindled looking on the ugly side, but much like um, Connecticut Broadleaf, ugly, ugly wrapper, but delicious. A lot of sweetness. Mr. Jonathan joining us here on the show from the Cigar Authority podcast and over at the retail shop, Two Guys Smoke Shop. How do wrapper leaves interact with the filler and binder components of a cigar to create a balanced smoking experience? So the first thing you have to know about wrappers and binders is they have to work in opposition. So if you have a very thin outside wrapper, you're going to have a thicker binder because you need to have the combustion of the two leaves working with each other. So if you have a thicker outside wrapper, like a dark, thick, oily Maduro, you're going to have a much thinner binder. The binder is probably the only leaf where it really doesn't matter what direction it's facing, whether the tips are forward or the tips are back, because they're typically lower primings. Uh, they're just there for aiding in the combustion of the outside wrapper. The outside wrapper, it matters greatly the direction that it goes and whether or not the shiny side is out. They'll always put the shiny side out and they'll put the stem structure of the leaf on the inside because, again, you buy cigars with your eyes. So if you saw the, the vein structure of the outside leaf on the outside, you'd be turned off right away. Hmm. Um, generally speaking, how durable is a wrapper? Uh, that's going to boil down to uh, the thickness of it. So in the case of shade-grown wrappers, very delicate, very thin, 
Cameroon, same thing, very delicate, very thin. You start getting into sun-grown, especially in Nicaragua, sun-grown or Maduro, much thicker, much better for activities like golf, which, believe it or not, beat the ever-loving snot out of wrappers because you're picking it up and you're putting it down. You're picking it up. Uh, you're putting it in the little golf clips on the golf cart that everybody forgets. Uh, tip for your listeners, clip your little clip on your golf bag because the only time you're not holding the cigar is when you're swinging the club. Right. And when you get back to your bag to put your club in, there's your cigar and there's your clip. Pro tip. There's a pervasive thought that all the flavor comes from the wrapper. Wives' tale or mostly true? 100% wrong. Wow. The, yeah, the outside wrapper can impart some sweetness. It can impart some dryness. But by and large, you're looking at it is one-sixth or 15% of the overall structure of the cigar. So most of your flavor is going to come from the inside tobaccos and what primings that is and how much of it there is. So let's say all cigars are one-third, 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 roughly. A third Lajero or high primings, a third middle primings, and a third low primings. The high primings are going to give you your flavor. The middle primings are going to give you your aroma. And the low primings are going to give you your combustion. And that's just a a very basic bitch explanation of it. Are there any special things, steps, or whatever taken to ensure the integrity of the wrapper during the rolling process? Yeah, they'll wet them down pretty good so that they they get the elasticity back in the leaf. And a, a good roller will give you an outstanding stretch on the wrapper, which is going to bring out a, a beautiful sheen to it. Mm. Uh, you really can showcase that on... Uh, you get a higher-end cigar like an Atabay or a Byron in those lighter hues, and you look at that cigar under the light, and you can see the sheen, and now you know that that was a, a professional roller that really did a good job of stretching it. What else do we need to know or understand about the wrapper that the common person might not be aware of, or have we covered everything? Wrappers dry out first. So if you have thinner wrappers, if you're somebody that really enjoys a mild cigar, and you like Connecticut shade, you've got to really take care of that cigar big time prior to the cut. Whereas a darker cigar, a sun-grown Maduro, those can withstand being sat out. In fact, I'm on vacation this week from the shop, and last week I took out two boxes of my Aladinos, one Corona and one Robusto, and I put them on top of the humidor so that the total cigar could dry out a little bit because I find that they smoke a little better drier. Mm. Same with this Perdomo Firecracker. Sun-grown, and it just smokes a little bit better on the drier side, right around 50%. So those wrappers will be able, they're not going to split when I cut them. Uh, this one, I actually forgot my cutter, so I had to pick the cap off with my fingernail. No damage to it whatsoever. They can withstand the abuse of being dried out. Connecticut Shade, You've got to keep that at 65%. Even in those particular ones, you can even go as high as 69%. And that's just going to keep them supple and stop them from splitting when you go to make the cut. Rapper school is now over. And we appreciate Mr. Jonathan teaching us all about the rapper. And we will dig into the binder next time he is on. If you like what he's talking about, catch him live every Saturday, noon to 2 over on the Cigar Authorities podcast, which you can find on YouTube or just subscribe to any podcast platform and you can listen along with me as I do at my convenience. And you can find him here on the show uh, spreading all the cigar knowledge that he has to the barbecue and grilling world. Mr. J, always appreciate the time and we will talk to you again soon.
Thanks so much, Greg. You got it. Mr. J. So the retail side, the number two guys, cigars.com. So if you're not into going to a brick and mortar store for whatever reason, although two guys is very pro brick and mortar, um, you can pretty much buy whatever you might like from two guys, or you can take his suggestions and go down to the local brick and mortar where you're at and then start trying out brands that you would think you might like. I mean, why not buy a couple sticks, smoke at least two. Uh, I think like the general thought is give a cigar at least two smokes before you render a decision and go from there. So we will have Mr. J on again here sooner than later. We thank him for his time. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we wrap the show up here this evening. They are not exhibiting at the HPB Expo coming up, unfortunately. However, still selling great pellet cookers, choice lines, and prime lines to choose from. The prime line has the peak and the ledge. So if you're looking for app connectivity, if you're looking for Wi-Fi, if you're looking for peak in windows, all the stuff that a lot of these other companies are offering, then the prime line is the one you want to choose. If you don't mind foregoing all this stuff that most of these other people have, you just want a solid, better than entry level cooker choice line is the one you want. Now, much like Primo Grills, Green Mountain Grills sold through dealers only. So go to GreenMountainGrills.com, find a dealer near you, visit the dealer, check out all the different lines and models, and then pick the one that's best for you. The benefit of going to the dealer, of course, is that the folks at the dealer will be able to educate you on exactly where the differences are and what the features and benefits are, how that will give you ROI on that cooker. And most importantly, they will educate you on how to use it. So when you get it home, you can be successful right off the bat. No buyer's remorse. That's not what Green Mountain Grills is about. That's why they do the dealer network thing. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And find out all about these cookers. And then again, visit the dealer. I have some more news on them over the next couple weeks, but we're not going to talk about that now. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Welcome back. We thank Mr. Jonathan from the Cigar Authorities podcast for joining us. I forgot to ask him the question. I knew it. Where is he on how much is too much to spend on a flat top? Currently, 85% of you are still in the 300 to 499 spot, while 10% of you are in the there is no budget when it's barbecue. 5% of you now are weighing in saying 500 to 699 is more your speed for flat top cookers. So I apologize for not asking Mr. Jonathan about that. Although, if I'm not mistaken, I think he, I might have seen him in the instant chat before he jumped on and he was in where the majority of you guys were in the 300 to 499 range. Mr. J, if you're still in the instant chat, double check me on that and I apologize for not asking you right off the top, but that's how we do it here on the show. It's too busy to talk cigars and ditch live fire for 15 minutes. Anyway, we're back on track. We are pointing to the second hour, so go ahead and refresh your libations as we get ready 
for the last 60 minutes or the second hour of the show. Tell all your friends and neighbors that it's going on. We have Sam the Cooking Guy coming up in the second hour. We also have Chris Young from Combustion Inc. So send out tweets and Facebook messages, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Stick around. We'll be right back.